Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, today I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Agnael. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different act of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit though to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but the one and the same spirit works all things distributing to each one individually as he wills hey today over the next few minutes trust me you're going to want to take some notes uh, this is one of those messages um, that I think unfortunately has been complicated, uh, misconstrued. Um, it's even been waved off in certain circles. And so today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and I want to talk to you about the inspiration gifts. So today the title of the message is going to be the Holy Spirit, the inspiration gifts. Come on, pray with me. Father, we love you. We thank you for these moments, Lord God, and Father John 3.30, let me decrease that you may increase. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that we would be able to grasp this information, Lord, and that it would be activated in our heart, Lord, that we would be able to live out everything that we have to do. Lord, you've given us, given us an assignment, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that today as I equip the saints, um, that this seed will fall on fallow ground, producing 160, 30-fold, Father. Father, I bind the birds of the air, Lord God, the enemy that would try to come and scorch this seed, Lord God, the stony ground, the thorns, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, not just in the 30 minutes of this message, but, Father, I pray outside of these doors, Lord Jesus, walking into next week until the day that you return, may the seed flourish in the life of believers. May they take these practical tools that you have given us, Lord, to be able to live out, Lord, and continue to walk out everything that you have for us. Father, I love you and I thank you and I believe that today you're going to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? Amen. Hey, so quick recap. We've been in a series, and at the beginning of the series, we talked about how believers, uh, non-believers, those who have not confessed Jesus, how the Holy Spirit is around them, and it's convicting them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You can go back and listen to these messages, because I'm going to kind of breeze through this. And then what happens is that when a person, the sentence to conviction, um, because if you're convicted of something, you have to have a sentence, and so the sentence that the Holy Spirit is trying to provide out of your life is that of salvation. He's trying... He's trying to save you. And so what happens is that when you get saved, all of a sudden, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, right? So the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and he's helping you. He's guiding you. He's teaching you. He's comforting you. Scripture says that he's guiding you. So all of these things happen, and you begin to live out the fruit of the Spirit, found in Galatians chapter 5, and you begin to live this life filled with the Spirit, right? So now what happens is that there's this other side of it, which is called whether the baptism with the Holy Spirit or being filled for works what we've used tech 
technically the word or the term that we use is that we've been filled to be spilled. And so we've been talking about this part right here over the last few weeks. And we've known how in Acts chapter 2, the, Jesus the, told the disciples, wait for me. Acts chapter 2, they're filled. Acts chapter 4, they're filled again. At the end of Acts chapter 4, they're filled for a third time. So just in a couple of days, they have been filled and then they have been filled. Acts chapter 9 talks about Paul being filled with the Spirit. And then Acts chapter 13, it says that he was filled again. Then we started to talk about what it looks like to live this life that's spilled. And this is where we picked up last week, where last week we talked about the, uh, the revelation gifts, where you begin to think the way that God thinks and the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, something that has not happened yet that God reveals. The word of knowledge, something that has happened in the past or presently that God reveals. And then the discerning of spirits where not only can you see the intent or the heart of an individual, but God also gives glimpse into the spiritual world. And so we tackled those last week. You can go back and listen to that message. Today, out of these three categories, remember the revelation gifts, the inspiration gifts, and the power gifts. Today, we're going to talk about the inspiration gifts. And in this three categories, in this one category of inspiration gifts, there is prophecy, tongues and interpretation of tongues now these three here's the thing I, I, if you, you can be sensationist I mean you can grow up in the backwoods of a mountain where you never experienced God I mean, wherever you find yourself on the journey um, when somebody in your family is going through a sickness I, there's not many people that I've found that have said well they're gonna die for those who have called on the name of Jesus a lot of people say we're gonna pray for them right right so we, we believe that a person can be healed and we believe that God is sovereign, that he can do those things. And we believe that God can show you things and he can direct you. And we believe that scripture can actually teach you. And what has happened is that we've taken scripture out of context and we've created false roles and identity when it comes to the gifts of the spirit, especially when it comes to these two. These are the two that get the Christians in a, in a knot. Prophecy and tongues. Oh, you about to do that shit about a Honda, but about a Mitsubishi. We get, we get all caught up. Oh, my God. Like, if it wasn't in the Bible. Like, if we didn't see all of these things in the Bible, like, Scripture speaks about these things. And I'm, I'm going to unpack all of those things. And please, let me, let me get up here on my soapbox for just a second. Um, wherever you are on this journey, I, I, this isn't me. I'm not fighting against you. I'm not trying to prove anything to you. I, I'm not trying to put you in a space where I'm minimizing you or belittling what you have been taught. I, I'm just trying to give you another version. And hopefully, if you would allow for your heart to be open, just allow the scriptures. I got a lot of Bible that I'm going to read you. And hopefully, what you would do is that you would allow for this Bible to speak to you, not the black Cuban on stage, and allow for God to be able to show you these things. And so this is what I want to be able to do today. Um, and I got a task at hand on this Memorial Day Sunday. Let's figure it out. Amen. Hey, the first gift that we're going to talk about in the inspiration gifts is the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. And I, I this is where God, it's an inspiration gift. And basically, um, there's three offices for it or, or three roles in its edification exhortation and comfort I'll explain that in just a second but for you to understand what is the gift of prophecy it would be really good for you to understand what is not the gift of prophecy how many of y'all remember compare and contrast how many of y'all compare and contrast some of y'all graduated high school this week uh, some of y'all graduated college and you're like I don't appreciate you talking anything about school today <laughs> Some of y'all failed science, or where does compare and contrast? That's, that's science. Some of y'all teach science. English. Oh, it is. Compare and contrast is English? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
I was testing y'all to see if y'all knowed. I thought it was science. I totally thought it was science. Compare and contrast. So what you take is you take an object and you compare it to another object and then you're able to see what each of them look like and what is the true definition of each of them. So for me to explain to you what prophecy is, let me show you what prophecy is not. So the first thing um, that I want to show you is that prophecy is not telling the future. Prophecy is not foretelling the future. Uh, unfortunately, what has happened is that we've relegated prophecy to that. Or we think that prophecy is telling the future. So, hey, tomorrow you're going to find a check in the mail and God's going to pay for all your bills. Amen. That is not, amen. <laughs> Receive that in Jesus' name. And you got to be ready. You got to be ready. That check coming, Nuno. That check coming right now. Snowball. Receive it. Pew. There it is. I don't know what that was. <laughs> that wasn't a gift of the Spirit at all. <laughs> Hey, so, so it's not foretelling of the future. We talked about this last week. There is the word of wisdom where God reveals something that has not yet happened. And the word of knowledge where God reveals something that has happened in the past or that is happening right now. But the gift of prophecy is not the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. The gift of prophecy is of edification, exhortation, and comfort. What I will show you is that there's a distinction. Here's where we separate them. There is the gift of prophecy found in the nine gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then there is the office of the prophet. Now, the prophet can walk in the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. He can walk in the word of in the, in the, in prophecy. He can begin to move in those, but that's the office of a prophet. Let me show you what scripture says. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. And he himself, this is speaking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Jesus himself, he gave prophets. This is an office, not a gift. An office means that this is a, a, a mantle that you carry. So like I am a pastor. By nature, innate, like my innate nature is that I am an evangelist. I can go to the middle of the streets or I can stand in a pulpit. My job, my responsibility, but my gift, what makes me happy is to be able to declare the word of the Lord. Like I love to watch people give their life to Jesus. Every single day of my life, if I can watch somebody raise their hand, put their hand down, whether they fill out a card, I want to be able to invest myself in their life. I want my team who have incredible gifts and talents themselves to be able to invest in people and take people along the path of discipleship. But that begins with salvation, with an initial, I am broken. I submit that my sin is bad. I'm not righteous at all. And I don't want the judgment that becomes to the enemy. And so what I want to do is that I want to be saved. And so that's the office of the evangelist, right? To allow, to watch people get saved. That's what I have innately. As an apostle, starting churches and works and ministries, I can fall under that one. But the one that is in me, the innate one that I, I know I have, I'm an evangelist. And so then there's the prophet. Now the prophet is the one that can speak a word of wisdom, something that has not yet happened. Hey, you're going to find $100 inside of your checkbook, inside of your mailbox, or the office of, of the word of knowledge, which is like, hey, I know where you are in this space right now, and I know what had happened, but this is what God is going to do. Amen? So that's the office of uh, uh, the prophet depending or separated from the gift of prophecy. I want to show you what the gift of prophecy is. The gift of prophecy is not preaching. The gift of prophecy is not preaching. 
That is of human intelligence. You can sit down. There's so many people who are here. In fact, Laron, who I was talking about a little, a little while ago, I had talked to you about this, where God has placed that gift inside of you, that they are, this is not just, you're not relegated to being inside of a cage, but there are people that are broken far from God, that are living inside of cages so far from God, that the words that you're going to release is going to be able to drive them out of those cages and into the beautiful liberty of the Lord. That is upon your life. That is what the gift of prophecy does, where it encourages, edifies, and comfort. I'll show you that in a second. But it's not preaching. This is not preaching. The third one, the gift of prophecy is not rebuking. Because we've been to churches where you know that. It's not just spit your gum out. It's you lazy sinners. You, did you pray for an hour? You're going to hell. You're going to bust hell wide open with gasoline draws. <laughs> Jesus. Some of y'all giggling because y'all been to that church. Y'all remember that. Mission Imposible. Hey, so what happens is this. My Spanish folk laughed a little bit. So what happens is this. That, that, that the rebuke in the New Testament, we don't, we don't use the gift of prophecy to rebuke. We, the word of God rebukes, edifies us, it teaches us, it sharpens us. It is in the New Testament where correction comes, not prophecy, but from preaching the word of God in doctrine to be able to show you hey let me reprove you you're going this way my rebuke is that I'm walking this way and I'm about some of y'all were about to tell me that when I walked to the stage some of y'all clenched up you were like he's gonna fall and so what it is Chino don't walk on the stage okay you rebuked me you helped me not to hurt myself you're not trying to hurt me that's what rebuke is and then the gift of prophecy is not criticism it's not to be criticizing somebody else's ministry through the word of prophecy. Well, this person this and this person this. Those are bad things that the church has taught and has done for so long. And I'm not separating myself away from them. I am a pastor just like your pastor that did that to you. I, I, I represent him. I'm a part of his team and I apologize on his behalf. I'm not always going to get it right. I'm going to make some dumb decisions. But I do want to tell you that, man, we're sorry. That is not the way that things should have been. My prophecy is not for me to make you feel bad not to break you down, not to minimize you or discourage you, and not to make you uncomfortable or hurt you. It's the opposite. It's to be able to edify you, to exalt, to exhort you, to lift you up, and to be able to comfort you. So what is prophecy? Somebody say, what is prophecy? So the office of the prophet, we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 1, is different, but I want to show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. It's going to be up on the screens. It says, but he who prophesies... Somebody else said prophecies. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men and woman. When it talks about men, it's talking about humankind. So ladies, don't be like, oh, I'm checking. I'm about to check my Tic Tac. Don't do that. This is for you too. This is for all of us. Edification. Edification is to build somebody up. If someone is afraid, it removes the fear from them. It's to take somebody who has been broke down and has been belittled and be able to grab them and lift them up and be able to edify them. Edification is all about building up. The actual terms come, the actual term comes from a potter's clay. When clay is just formless and lifeless and just void, what the potter does is that the potter begins to lift it up. The only time that the potter will bring it down is to be able to reform it and shape it. 
So in your life, there are moments where you feel like God is smashing me down. Why is everything around me feel like it's negative? Everything dark is because the Lord is not breaking you down. What he's doing is he's trying to build you back up. He's trying to edify you and to edify you. Sometimes he got to cut some things off. He has to cut some people off. He has to remove some things from your life to be able to get you to edify you. And our job and our responsibility when we use the gift of prophecy is to edify somebody, to lift them up, to build them up, to be able to speak life and encouragement onto them. And then exhortation. Exhortation is to urge or to encourage or it would be the thought of or, or persuasion. It's to be able to persuade somebody. It helps you to move forward when the devil in the world discourages you. It helps you to understand, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exhort you. Another word that can be used here is I'm going to challenge you. What I want you to do is there's much more inside of you. There's so much more. And I'm going to show you some Old Testament examples where scripture talks about and challenges people, exhorts people to continue to do better. So I'm going to build you up, but then I'm going to challenge you. And some of us at Greater Church, hopefully you've seen the vein of our church. The vein of our church is that we're always going to challenge you. We're always going to tell you, hey, there's a step for you to take. Not for you to sit there and listen to us. I'm not a horoscope. This isn't no, you know, Sagittarius. Today, make sure you leave the doors open. Scorpio, walk through doors. You know, like, that's not who you are here. You're always going to receive a word that's going to be able to challenge you. I'm going to exhort you so that you can walk out of these doors and say, I dare the devil to step in my face. I dare the devil to try my kids. Devil, try me. I got four switchblades in my mouth. It's the word of God. I'm going to cut you up, down, left, and around. And so I want to exhort you in that, but then it's also comforting. And comforting is healing of distress or sorrow or persecution or suffering. And the word of prophecy comes to people in their most broken states. In my life, when I felt like I was in these moments of just suffering or sorrow, I have got words that has absolutely rocked me, that God has allowed for people to speak to me, that has <gasps> lifted me up. Some of those words have been people in my face telling me, Chino, thus says the Lord. But then there's other times that I've been listening to a message. And I, uh, sometimes, yo, I'm not even going, y'all don't make fun of me. Please don't make fun of me. But man, I was going through a really weird time. And I would just, I, 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 I am, I'm a builder, right? I edify things. I build things. That's who I am. If you meet me, I'm annoying because I'm always trying to get you to do something better, something more in your life. That's just who I am. I can't change it. If I go play basketball, I'm going to do the same thing. It doesn't matter. I should go play for the heat. But, but, <laughs> but in my life, there was a time that I can only remember maybe one or two times that I think I've been depressed. Not minimizing the depression it's a real thing but I think in my own personal life I think I've had a, a couple of times that I have been depressed one of those it was a T.D. Jake sermon that lifted me out of a miry muck that he doesn't miss and whether you like him or not God bless you but in my life when I heard the message it was like yo I know what I gotta do the other time it was the movie The Greatest Showman and I saw G I will cry Lord I hear you God I hear you Lord I hear you, Lord. Here I am. Like, oh, Lord. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was a movie. It was a, it was a movie. But, but God just started to speak to me. And I'm pushing the movie away. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I understand what you're doing with me. I'm not a throwaway rag doll the way that everybody threw me away or rejected me. But you love me. You want to see more of me. You want me to do bigger things. And I get it, Lord. And it was a moment with me and God where it was a weird movie. This is me. So that's comfort. Where the, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy will comfort. In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. I'm going to run through these verses real quick, man, because I ain't got a lot of time. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for you shall 
for your work shall be rewarded. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So we see these moments and man, I can go through prophecy. The office of a prophet, we see that he rebukes in the Old Testament, there was rebuke that came from the prophet. There was actual teaching that came from the prophet. There was a totally different than the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy was completely different. If you want to see it in the New Testament, we're not going to read the book of First and Second Timothy. But homework for you today, along with the book Acts, read the first and second book of Timothy. And you will see a prophetic unction. A, 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 the, I mean, it was just beautiful the way that Paul encourages exhorts and comforts Timothy in three le in two letters chapter after chapter you just see how he encourages him how he exhorts him he's lifting him up he's edifying him he's building him up he's exhorting him he's challenging them hey don't let the fire that's in you fan the flame it was on you they laid hands on you fan the flame and then you see the comfort that's in him hey, don't let nobody think because you're young let somebody build you down or tear you down listen man God is with you and so it's beautiful you can go back and read first and second Timothy and you'll see it all in there so that's the gift of prophecy the gift of prophecy. The second in the category of the inspiration gifts is the gift of tongues. And this is where um, the other side of where I think Christians get a little, get their undergarments in a wad. <laughs> and so the gift of tongues is a heavenly language from the Lord. And it's a, it's a way that you communicate with him. First Corinthians, um, this is a prayer language between you and God. Um, tongues is a prayer language between you and God where you communicate with God with not your intellect, but it is your spirit praying. There's three parts of you. There is your body, which is this thing right here that's decaying, that's, that's not redeemed. Um, if it was redeemed, you wouldn't have so much muscle in one spot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this thing just keeps, you know what I mean? Outside of Tommy, whatever, I don't care, but whatever. It's like it, the older you get, the more gravity starts taking a hold of you. You know what I'm saying? Things start pulling you down. It's not the devil. It's McDonald's. But, but this is your body. This is your body. And then you have your soul. Your soul is your mind. It's, it's your central processing unit. It's the way that you filter things. And when somebody says something to you, it's the reason why you believe them and the reason why you will never believe them. It's because your soul, your mind, the way that you filter and you process things, that's your... And then there's... And that thing needs to be redeemed because it's constantly in, in, a, in a battle. So your body and your mind and your soul are at war with each other. And they're, you know, you're trying to get them under control. And then there's your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. For those of you who have called on the name of Jesus, your spirit is perfect. It has been renewed. It had, the, 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 the theological term is regenerated. So when we get saved, when the Holy Spirit, when we get saved and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it's not that you become a, that you're a bad person and that all of a sudden you become good. It's that you were dead in your spirit and now your spirit is alive and you're regenerated, right? So your spirit, who is connected to God and is the perfect image and representation and connection to God, that spirit that you have inside of you, that thing has a way of communicating with God, which is called tongues, which you can speak in tongues. Tongues is not a bad word, my Baptist brother and sister. It's not, I promise you, it's not a bad word. Tongues is something that's all through scripture. I want to show you this. First Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2, and then I'm going to read verse 4a. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to 
for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mystery. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4a, which is right there, it says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds yourself up. You begin to build yourself up when you begin to speak in tongues. The gift of tongues is for the edification, number one, of an individual, but it's also used for the edification of a church when it comes to a public setting. So I'm going to talk to you about both of them. So number one, the edification, I think that is building up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. It's going to come up on the screens. You can grab it, write it down. I wish that you all spoke in tongues. This is Paul speaking. But even more, that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he indeed he interprets that the church may receive, use that word again, edification. Have you seen a common theme? Um, God is not necessarily interested in you using, he's not interested in you using these gifts to be able to build your ministry or to be able to build your nonprofit or to be able to build your national international ministries. What God is interested is in you edifying and building people up. People who are broken and far from him, who don't have an idea who he is. The gifts are used to be able to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus, not to build your ministry, not to build your LLC, not to build your nonprofit. The gifts are for edification for yourself to be built up so that you can preach the gospel. For the church to be built up so that they can preach the gospel because that's the only thing that Jesus told you. He said, I'm going to give you power. Dunamis, right? Dunamis. This is this whole thing that we're talking about is the power from God. It's dunamis power, right? I'm going to give you this power so that you can start your ministry. No, no, no. So that you can be my witnesses. So that you can tell people that I came down. I lived a sinless life. I died for their sins. So they don't need to. And on the cross, I took everything bad that is in them. And I gave them everything good that is in me. That is the gospel, my friends. That is what God has called us to preach. And he's going to use signs to declare the gospel. That's the full gospel. Not just the spoken gospel. God wants you. And he has an assignment over your life. And these gifts are for us to be able to use that word, edification. To edify, to build, to build people up, to build the church up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Even so, since you are zealous, that means you're, you're, you're desperate for them. I don't know if you have, over the last few weeks, had this desire inside of you to be zealous for spiritual gifts. But, but if you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for edification of the church that you may seek to excel. Let it be for somebody else. The, uh, yesterday, I was driving with my kids and we seen a really bad accident. And it was, I had to tell my kids to turn their face. And, and the individual was probably from here to where Kobe is or, or that front row. And I was driving in my car and he was laying on the ground and it was just, it was a pretty bad sight. I don't have to explain. I've been right here on 92. Um, and I, I, in that moment, it wasn't, I didn't become afraid. I didn't pull out my phone. Oh my God, I'm going to put it on the internet. In that moment, something, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I speak life into that individual. Father, I pray that you would bless them and that you would heal them. Something happens inside of me because I've been edified, but there is a zeal inside of me not to bring glory to me, but to bring glory to God and to be able to develop the saints. But when something, now all of a sudden you start walking, people that get on your nerves, you're starting like, why that person got me so mad? Hold on. Hey, how are you doing? And then the Lord will start showing you stuff and you're like, oh my God. But it's because you're zealous for these things. And there's people in this room that I'm having conversations with that God over this last season, he's been lighting this fire 
And he's been trying to like, he's been getting your attention on certain things is because these gifts are starting to come alive. Some of y'all are having dreams and you're starting to write some stuff down because you're like, yo, where did this come from? How did this, how is this happening? It's because the Lord is starting to stir some stuff up. Let that zeal become so that you can build the church. Listen to me, understand this. I would love for you to be a part of greater church. And for those of you that call home, yo, let's build the church. Let's do this thing together. But for some of y'all, this isn't about greater church. This isn't about, there was, there's not a greater inside of that. When he's talking about the church, he's talking about the big C church. He's talking about the kingdom of God, not just greater church. So please understand when I'm saying this, it's not a manipulation tactic for you to jump on a team. This is for you to build the church of Jesus Christ in Ackworth, in Zimbabwe, in Kenya. I don't care where you go at, but it's for you to build the church. I got to move, man. Y'all, I, I should have sat. Where my stool at? That's what I should have done. It helps me a little bit. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. This is how you build yourself up. Jesus, and I put it in red letters so that you can see that this is Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. At the end of Jesus's ministries, famous last words, your words carry weight at the end of your life more than they did sometimes your entire life. Well, I've heard the stories of, 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 of Luciferians, of Satan worshipers, that their last words, because of what they said, oh my God, it's all true. There's something wrong. There's something really wrong that it has changed the trajectory of people's lives. The last words of certain individuals have changed people's lives. They carry so much weight because this is the culmination of your life. Hey, this is what I say in the end. This is my last, my last words. This is Jesus towards the end of his ministry. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. This is Jesus speaking here. This isn't Chino speaking here. This is Jesus speaking in red letters. And these signs will follow those who believe. The prerequisite is that you would give your life to Jesus. Once you have your life in Jesus, all of a sudden now, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on anybody who is sick and they will recover. This is, this is this part right here that Jesus is talking about. The same thing that happens in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. Out of their bellies, out of their in, interior soul, there will be rivers of living water. This is no more about me pouring myself into you. Now it's about you pouring yourself out into other people. And this is Jesus, the one that was saying it. Amen. In the Old Testament, you don't see a bunch of tongues. I think there's one spot that you see it, and it's, it's vague, but there's one spot. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 through 12. Um, Isaiah speaks, it says, Very well then, with foreign lips and with strange tongues, God will speak to his people to whom he said, This is the resting place. Let the weary rest. And this is a place of repose or rest, but they would not listen. So this is where we see kind of what that heavenly language looks like. In the New Testament, man, I could go on and on for days, but I'm just going to go to the main meat and potatoes. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. You can read through the book of Acts and you can see individuals, not they went to seminary school. Not they went to church every single day and gave their tithes and offerings. Not people who were in serving on teams or, or they, you know, they, they, they sacrificed and they get No, no, people who immediately, they were lost, far from God, broken, 
I mean, heading to a devil's hell. They listened to the words of the apostle. They got saved and they say, Jesus, come into my heart. At that very moment, not later, at that very moment, they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. They didn't have to go through your little five-step courses. They didn't go through next steps. It was immediately on the spot that these individuals were giving the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit all of a sudden lived inside of them and began to spill out immediately. It was an immediate thing. So here is the, the culmination of this, or, or of the three gifts. So there's prophecy. And prophecy is for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. And then there's tongues. Tongues, they build you up personally, and then they build up the church. They build up other people. Tongues, to build up other people, has to come through what the last gift in this category is, which is the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues is the supernatural verbalization of a message given from God to the church for or an, an individual. And so the interpretation of tongues is when we interpret what God has said. A couple of things that I want to let you know. Number one, compare and contrast. Number one, interpretation is not a translation. So the interpretation of tongues is not a translation. So you hear somebody and they're speaking tongues for 14 hours. That's a long time. Let's just say, let's just say they, they spoke for like two minutes. And all of a sudden God says, and God said that he will restore your marriage. And you're like, yo, but what about all the other stuff? It was Nemo and Kuna Matata. What happened to all that other stuff that happened? Because it's not a word-by-word -word interpretation. I mean, a word-by-word -word translation. Translation means that I'm able to repeat what you said. Uh, give me, oh my God, help me. Yo, why ain't got no Spanish folk in the front seat? No, no, give me a sentence. Something the Lord puts in your heart. Okay, I love you a lot. So that is a translation. He spoke something in a language, and I understood it. Hey, don't you see that? Isn't that pretty cool? That though you don't understand a language, it's still a language? <laughs> Interpretation is not translation. Interpretation requires faith. Like words of wisdom, you may get one or two words that God will show you. You'll see it, you'll hear it, you'll know in your heart. Like it's, it requires faith for you to be able to understand it. And then tongues and interpretation of tongues are relegated, are regulated by scripture. This is not something that you get out of control. And you see it sometimes it happens. And then you hear somebody in the back. Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Ah! Oh, crap. <laughs> I thought I closed that. Let's compare, compare and contrast. Let's compare and contrast. Let's compare and contrast. <laughs> And you see, you see, it's just out of control. Can I show you that that's not biblical? Right. I want to show you something. Here it is. First Corinthians chapter 40, for, chapter 33, 32 and 33. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to this prophet. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So this is not something that just, oh my God, you're just going to get out of control. And it's just this, oh, just screaming. No, the subject of the prophet or speaking of those that are operating in the gifts is subject to the prophet. Self-control. You know what that is? It's one of the fruits of the spirit. When you get saved, you got self-control. Some of y'all have it more than others. 
but it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that you live by. So whenever the gifts happen, yo, listen to me, man. And I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the fact that there are emotions that happen. There's a couple of things that I want to show you. Number one, that there is emotions that happen. God is an emotional God. He, there's angry. You know what I'm saying? You could see that there are emotions in God. But what I want you to understand is that in your own personal life, there is emotions. There was a moment that I was having even during worship where I was just sitting there and I was just worshiping God. And in the middle of this worshiping God, man, I just, I just felt his presence. And it was a moment where I actually felt it. So I'm, it's not an emotionless God. It's not like he's just like, oh my gosh. But there was, I, I can control it. It was something that didn't just knock me over. Oh my God, and I start shaking. But please understand that I did have emotions. And I remember that in that moment, I was standing right here. And as I was standing right here, I started to pray for you, Julie. And the Lord started to show me there was like this huge hill. And it was like a little tiny light at the top of this hill. And at that moment, I said, I'm not listening no more because then I'll start developing a message because I'm an evangelist, so I could preach. So I was like, oh, the top of the hill, that's a message. No, what I wanted, and I felt like the Lord was telling you is that there's moments right now, even in your life, where it feels like there's this dimly lit light and you're hanging on by just this much of a thread but God is trying to show you that that much of a thread is all you need because that's where God is and when you light this much light inside of a dark room God will automatically begin to bring the things that you're asking him for and God is not leaving you alone in the darkness he's showing you that he's there with you that he has his hands upon the situation do not worry do not fret the very words that he gave Joshua he gives to you be strong and be of courage there is a light inside of you that God is going to use this is your life that God is using it. And so it feels sometimes like it feels like, oh my God, it's so dark and distance is not. You just need a little bit of a light and it lights everything. And so I'm praying and I'm like listening to the, these are the moments and I just felt God's presence over me and it was emotional. So please don't think that I'm like, oh, you can't be emotional. I'm just saying, don't go over the top with it. You know what over the top with it is. Sister Susan at the church house, you remember Mother Margaret. Jesus is coming. I know book of revelation said why are you going crazy relax first corinthians chapter 15 when it's talking about the spirit when it's talking about the interpretation of tongues when it's talking about this thought it says for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge speech is the tongues part knowledge is the understanding. Paul says, I pray with the Spirit and I pray with the understanding. And I, I thank God so much for Jason Peebles because Jason Peebles was, he, he showed me something that I thought was really cool. I hadn't seen that very much because I thought, yo, I'm going to speak in tongues and then I pray in just the regular. And what I didn't know is that I was actually living, I was being enriched. And this is not something that's separate, but this is something that is together. For in him, this is Jesus. You have been enriched, built up, living inside of him in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. So speech and knowledge, speaking in tongues and then speaking with the understanding. There, there are times I, I remember speaking with him and he was telling me, he was explaining to me, he's like, Chino, the interpretation of tongues is not just relegated to just like, you know, the, uh, the crowd. Because I mean, that's what we think about. When we think about the interpretation of tongues is that somebody speaks in tongues. Has anybody ever had when somebody speaks in tongues like you, you, you I don't know why, but you know what they said. Anybody raise your hand, lift, lift it up. So, okay, Darlene, okay. Like, you know, you, you hear it and you're just like, what? 
sometimes you see it, like there's a vision, there's something that you see. Sometimes you, you hear it and nine times out of 10, it's scriptural. It, it is 10 times out of 10, excuse me. I apologize for saying that. 10 times out of 10, it's scriptural. It's backed up by scripture. Sometimes you just know, uh, Kenneth Hagin, he said it in your knower. There's something in your knower that you just know and God shows it to you. And then you hear the tongues and it's like, like what the heck? That is the, the, the interpretation. But do you know that there is a private use of it too? That you can actually speak in tongues and you can say, God, I need, and, and some of y'all, I didn't even know that I was doing this at times, that I would speak in tongues. And then all of a sudden I would, I would speak, or I would begin to speak in tongues. And all of a sudden I thought that it was a, a word of prophecy that God gave me for somebody. And it was really, God just was interpreting what I had just said. And so there's no distinction between of them. They're both the same. You can actually grab them together. And so I remember he was telling me he was in two of the most desperate situations that he's probably had in his life. And one of the times he began to speak in tongues and then he interpreted his own deal. And God told him, you need to go to this bank and you need to do this, this, and this. Today, 40, how long, how many years? How many years has it been since that? 40 years later, he has over 400 missionaries that are all over the world preaching the gospel. He has a successful organization. He's been able to provide jobs. I mean, he has, I mean, an incredible ministry. And this is because he sat there and spoke in tongues and then said, God, you got that. And God revealed to him what said. The same thing just happened recently. This was a couple of months ago where he was in a hotel room and he began to speak. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to edify to exhort him and to comfort him. And the Lord started speaking to him and the things that God started to reveal to him not only built strength inside of him, but something broke off for him. The fear, the depression, the anger, all of this stuff broke out where he was just like, what the heck? I should have let you tell the story better. But he was just like, why do I feel, I don't even feel that weight anymore because it's being enriched. You're being enriched. This is what happens when you begin to speak in your heavenly language. It begins to edify you and lift you up. Your spirit knows how to pray for you better than you know how to pray for yourself. It does. It's perfect. It understands it. It makes groaning that no man can understand, but God hears it. There's a connection that happens, but it doesn't have to be just relegated to just the tongues that you can actually step into a place where you say, God, I want the interpretation. And all of a sudden you better pull out your pen because you're writing stuff down and you're like, I don't even talk like that. Of course you don't because it is the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus's death, he said, I'm going to give unto my saints the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a comforter. He says, I'm going to give you power so that you can become my witnesses. Today, there's individuals all over the world that are coming to know Jesus because of this gift. Yeah. This gift that has been trounced and pounced upon and people have laughed at it. People have made mockery of it. But this is something that the Lord has given to each and every one of us. And there's only one prerequisite. For you to have this gift right here, for you to be able to just speak in your heavenly language, interpret prophecy, for you to be able to do that, there's only one requirement. And that requirement is this. If you don't know Jesus and you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the requirement is just that you allow for salvation to come into your life and all of a sudden be filled with the Spirit. Now, how does this happen, Chino? I'm glad you asked. Because every week, I'm going to tell you, it's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Some of y'all should be able to quote this by now. If not, there's a problem because I'm not doing my job correctly. But Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord, that's, that's called faith, and you believe, I mean, I'm sorry, you confess with your mouth, that's prayer, and you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, that is called faith. If you have those two things, then scripture says, then you shall be 
saved. So today, if you're in this room and and maybe you're thinking, Chino, man, I, I want to take these steps, man, and I want God to enrich me, and I want to edify and comfort. And I, honestly, man, I, sometimes I hear the Lord, and He's chasing after me, man. It's like I constantly hear these things, and like, but, but you know, I, I want that. I don't want to live this mediocre life. I'm tired of living for sin. I'm tired of living for the weekend. I'm tired of constantly living in shame and guilt. I'm tired of living in lust. I'm tired of living in fear. I want to be able to step out of this, and I want Jesus in my heart. Today, I want to be saved. Scripture says that you can be. It's as simple as you praying, opening up your mouth, and you believing in your heart that's called faith and today I can help you with the prayer part but the faith that's what's inside of you it's not the nervousness it's not the piano being played really nice that is the spirit of the Lord the Holy Spirit scripture says that he draws all men unto repentance that he draws men unto himself it's not all I do is talk about him and then he begins to do the work so today if you're in this place and you're saying Chino I want to get this thing right I need to have the Holy Spirit living inside of me I need Jesus in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And when you close your eyes, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. Slip your hand up just to see who I'm praying for. This is not to embarrass you. After you slip your hand up, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. That prayer doesn't save you. It's faith that saves you. I'm just giving you some words to be able to, to recite or to tell God. The same way that a man gave words to me and my wife. And we've been faithful to each other because somebody else's words. But we honored them. So I'm just giving you some words to be able to say to God. And then after that, I'm going to give you some basic next steps for you to take. Now that you're on the journey, that you have Jesus inside of you. The job and the responsibility of the church is to come alongside of you and move you from making a decision to becoming a disciple. So this is what's just going to happen in a moment. And then I'm going to talk to another bunch on the group here. But would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to